Welcome to this MTech Access podcast. At MTech Access, we offer a complete global market access service from strategy through to implementation. In the UK, all our work is underpinned by authentic NHS insights. Our in-house experts work closely with a national network of associates who occupy strategic, operational and clinical roles within the NHS. Leaders in their field, their knowledge and experience helps MTech Access to be as close to the front line of care delivery as possible. Please subscribe to the podcast or follow our LinkedIn company page for more information. Good afternoon and welcome to another MTech Access Words of Wisdom webinar. Uh, I'm Tom Clark and we're back to talk about uh, everything that's going on in the NHS at the moment. We've got a fantastic speaker this afternoon to talk about really prominent issues in the NHS and, and health and social care more widely uh, to give us a, another fresh perspective on, on the whole health and social care archipelago, which isn't a word I use often. Um, so today I'm delighted to be joined by John Siddle, who is the Chief Executive of the Southwest Academic Health Science Network. John previously worked at Guy's and St Thomas's Hospital Charity, leading programmes to address urban health challenges in an equity. Prior to Guy's and Tommy's, John worked across a range of health and social care issues, working with funders, investors and government agencies in the UK, Ireland and New Zealand, including a previous stint at the HSN. John's also held a range of non-exec roles, including seats on the advisory boards of the NHS Innovation Accelerator, SBRI Healthcare, the Health Innovation Network, and the UK Task Force on multiple conditions. Um, he's also raced up from Cornwall to be with us today. So um, yeah, hopefully the A30 isn't, isn't a trail of destruction behind you, but thank you so much, John, for joining us today. Um, Thanks, take a second to, to catch your breath. Um, yeah, welcome, can't wait to, to speak with you. Um, if you could start, really, I suppose, just by giving yourself a little bit of an introduction and a bit of an introduction to your organisation as well. Yeah, sure. Very happy to. And thanks for having me on today. It's really uh, great to have the opportunity to chat with you uh, and others that are listening as well. Uh, yeah, as you said, I literally arrived 30 seconds ago uh, from Cornwall, um, which I guess is a demonstration of some of the challenges of working in our patch, right, which is a good four or five hours from one end of it to the other. So, um, so yeah, we're back out and about again. Uh, so it means we, we're getting used to life with lots of traffic on the road in our part of the world as well. But uh, it's great to be here. So uh, I think you've given me a pretty pretty comprehensive introduction there already, Tom. So I'll perhaps just pull out a few things um, that, I, that I, I wanted to mention. So, so as you said, I, I'm the Chief Executive of the Southwest Academic Health Science Network. And we're one of 15 AHSNs, as I'm sure, sure you and your members and people that work with you are aware. And you know, I guess in summary what we exist to do as academic health science networks is to transform the lives of people across across England across the country that we work in uh, but by doing that through through health and care innovation how we really bring bring new health and care innovation to market in the NHS to have have a dual benefit really one is about having a benefit to the population that live here and, and helping people live healthier lives through more effective health and care services um, but a big part of it is how we work with commercial companies uh, and the wider health and life science system to generate economic growth as well. And that and that's really at the heart of the dual aim of all AHSNs is both generating wealth and generating economic growth, whilst also trying to improve population health and doing those two things at once. So, so as you mentioned, I joined Southwest AHSN uh, back in April last year, so right early on in the uh, in the days of the pandemic, just starting to, to hit all parts of the country and, and down here as well. Um, and I joined from Guys and St Thomas's Foundation, as you described, and I'm really fortunate to have a a really interesting role there where I was asked to help design and launch uh, the charity's new work on urban health and that's now 
turned into Impact on Urban Health, uh, which is uh, a, a long-term commitment by one of the UK's biggest charitable foundations to looking at how we improve the health of living in cities all around the world. So it's a great experience working in inner city London doing that, working with other cities around the world. Um, and I'm now really, really grateful to be back here in the Southwest, uh, I guess bringing some of the knowledge of that work there and some of the work I've done before to, um, to the things that I'm really passionate about. And maybe I'll, I'll finish on, on kind of the intro, Tom, by, by saying I think you know, broadly in my career, I think there's been two things I've been particularly interested in, particularly for the last 10 years or so. And the first of those is this kind of age-old challenge that we've had across healthcare generally, but I think particularly in the NHS, around how do we take things that we know work and, and get them into practice faster and, and make sure they benefit the population as fast as we possibly can. And that, that's something I'd be particularly interested in, that kind of wicked problem that I think we, we've had for many years that, that we still have and, and we're doing lots to improve it, but, but still a big challenge for us. And then my working guides really kind of shone the light for me on, on something that the pandemic has really highlighted, I think, that's something that's always been there, but it's something I've been particularly passionate about for, for I guess, 10 years or so now, uh, which is how we deal with some of the real inequities of health, uh, but particularly through the lens of improvement and innovation as well and that and that's why I'm so excited about the work I get to do now which is bringing those two things together so this this I guess passion and interest I have for how to create more equitable health for for everyone to have a healthier life but how do we do that in a way of thinking about the role of taking things that could have real benefit to the health and care system whether that's new technologies new pharmaceutical products new service improvement models new ways of delivering care uh, but target those specifically to the ways that we improve, improve health equity across the country. So, um, so yeah, I feel very fortunate now to be uh, leading an organisation that's trying to do both those things. So I'll, I'll leave it there, happen to add a bit more if that's helpful. Yeah, fantastic, thank you. And I, I think we'll get stuck into some of those areas as we go. Um, it sounds like you've written your own job description in some respects, doesn't it? So uh, <laughs> that, that's great to hear. Um, I mean, I, over the years I've done work with the AHSNs and I think a lot of our audience will have encountered them in, in one guise or another. And in the is it seven or eight years now since they were first sort of put on the table obviously there's been a lot of change going on and, and i well some of us might know that some hsns you know have different focuses from others and there's a whole load of national stuff as well could you expand a bit more on on your remit as as an hsn as the network and sort of what the day-to-day -day looks like a little bit yeah very very happy to um so i don't know whether you, you mentioned i think in the introduction tom i've been involved in and around academic health science networks since very early on. So I helped to set up the Southwest one that I now work in uh, almost seven or eight years ago now. And right in the early stages of innovation, health and wealth and that whole policy direction, which was which is trying to tackle that issue of how do we uh, how do we accelerate innovation across the health and care system? How do we do that to improve population health and generate economic growth? And you know those dual aims uh, and that overarching purpose of why HSNs were setting up, I think, is is as important now as it was seven or eight years ago. And I think what we've seen over over that period is you know, a maturity in HSNs in understanding what it takes to do that, trying different ways to do it, recognising that context matters and how we do that in the southwest is going to be different to how you do it in South London. And I sat on the board of South London HSN for a few years when I was working up there as well, so I kind of got to see see this challenge from a different perspective. But the overarching challenge, which is how do we take the things that we think have real promise or that we think they're gonna have real benefit to, to the population, to our health and care system, uh, and to the companies that we work with and, and the life science industries that we work within, to, to put that into practice at scale, have an impact at scale. And I think that, that, that issue, that challenge, and that 
overarching purpose is as important now as it was seven or eight years ago. I think what's changed is we've perhaps built a, a clearer sense of what it takes to do that and where AHSN specifically can add value. And I've worked very closely with, uh, with all of the 15 or 14 other chief officers of the AHSNs over the last year, where we've been looking quite deeply at what is our future look like in terms of the impact we can have? How could we grow the impact we have? How could we really make sure we're focusing on the things where we uniquely add value as academic health science networks working together at a national level? And what we heard through that process of thinking about that, talking to our stakeholders, our commissioners, the people we work with, um, is that challenge of identifying things that are of value, helping the health and care system then adopt those at scale so they have impact both on population health and economic growth is exactly the area where I think AHSNs have a unique capability that we've developed over the last seven or eight years that, that perhaps other parts of the system really struggle with. So that, that's the role as a national network that we're really committed to, to focusing on. Uh, and we do that in a few different ways. So at a regional level, I think we've all developed different types of deep relationships with the integrated care systems that are forming in our region and the providers and commissioners that we work with. And that then enables us to do a combination of two things really. So firstly, it enables us to work deeply in a region to identify and test and develop things that are really valuable to our region, whether that's new technologies, new service models, new ways of improving patient safety, and then look at bringing that together with a much more nationally coordinated way of working as a system of AHSNs. And that, as you mentioned in your introduction, that's the balance of the work that we now do is both deep within our regions and we really can't do the work we do at a national scale without the depth of relationships, without the depth of understanding of the places that we work. But the power now is connecting that at a national level to work on a small number of things that we really want to try and achieve at a national level as well. So our portfolio of work now as a, a national network of AHSNs consists of both a set of national programmes, so that includes our work with the Accelerated Access uh, Collaborative and, and working around rapid uptake products and our national programmes around things like ADHD diagnostics, uh, around eating disorders and patient safety, but it also includes in the regional work we do where we're trying to get deeper into the specific issues of our regions and develop new, potentially new national programmes for the future as well. So I think that combined focus of both depth of regional work and understanding combined with spreading, adopting and spreading nationally relevant impactful innovations at the same time is, is where AHSNs are, are most valued. And I guess the final thing I'd add to that in terms of how the evolution has grown and the importance of that national coordination that we now have is that none of that would be possible if we didn't have the breadth of commissioning relationships that we do. So we have a number of commissioning relationships across all AHSNs and that includes our work with the Office of Life Sciences, which is where our world with health and life science systems really kind of is most significant. That helps us to build a pipeline and understanding of all the innovations that are coming to market that have the potential for value the health and care system but if we didn't have those deep regional and local relationships we wouldn't be able to then really do that matching of what is really meaningful to the systems that we work with what will it take to actually put these things into practice uh, and bring that together with things that are nationally relevant or achieve impact at a national scale as well i think you know final thing i'd say is i'm really proud of what ahsn achieved and largely why i came back to ahsn is i think there's been huge growth and development of how we do that and you, you look at some of the things we've achieved over the last few years. The work that we've done has benefited you know, nearly a quarter of a million patients over the last year alone. Uh, and our combined economic impact over the last three years is nearly a billion pounds worth of inward investment leveraged. 
uh, and, and nearly 3,000 jobs created or safeguarded over the last few years as well. So that, that dual aim of you know, reaching patients, having an impact, but also having an impact on economic growth, I think is really starting to be demonstrated at scale now uh, and in practice as well. Yeah, that, that's fantastic to hear because, um, yeah, I think over, over the years, you know, the, the HSNs of have maybe not not been seen equally around the country, but it really shows that there is that maturity and, and that network coming together to deliver the national stuff and, and things like a billion pound of funding. You can't uh, you can't ignore yeah. things like that. So it's fantastic to hear about how it's all coming together. In, in terms of your priorities locally, um, what is it that, that you're doing that's maybe specific to the Southwest? Yeah, well, th thanks for asking. Um, so look, all AHNs have that common purpose that we've described. So that's the same for us. So that, that purpose around uh, identifying and then helping to spread innovation that has value to the health and care system, to the populations we work with, is, is what we exist to do. So we're no different from any other HSN from that perspective. I think what we've tried to do in the Southwest then is say that we think we can achieve greater impact to our work regionally if we have a bit more focus to the work that we do. And that's not to say that some issues are more important than others, because frankly, there are lots of really important issues to, to all health and care systems we work with. Um, but we think working as a national network, there's a real opportunity for some of us to specialise in deeper in specific areas to then build a pipeline of innovation that has then value and potential at a national level as well. So we've taken a very deliberate decision to do that, to be a bit more focused in the work we do. Um, and I've spent the last year or so, or, or six months or so, working with our members and the partners that we work with across the the, the, the area that we cover, so Somerset, Devon and Cornwall, so just over two million people, to say what would be the area that we could really focus on? What theme would really resonate with, with the needs of our population, I guess, as the, as the first thing, and the, the sense of where we can help. So let's take on an issue where an AHSN can be useful, not um, something that perhaps lots of other people are working on or, or is not something that we necessarily can do anything about. And then finally, let's go with where the energy and assets are in the region that we can build on and do more of. So, so that those combined filters, I guess, of saying how do we think about you know, the needs of the region, the nature of the place and the people that we work with and, and where we can uh, go deeper into particular issues. Uh, and also then think about what could be nationally relevant. So the work that we do here is not only going to be beneficial to the people that live across the Southwest, but also hopefully is nationally relevant for those future national programs uh, that we can bring to bear as well. So, so we worked through a bit of a process over that, looking at those different variables, I guess, to say they, those are the things that should influence where we focus. And, and where we've ended up focusing our efforts then is on trying to see if we can improve health equity in our region, but do that through what an, an AHSN is really good at, which is identifying innovation and putting that into practice at scale. And that's been an important filter to the prioritisation of where we're focusing is, of, of course, on the needs of the system and where we're working. But, you know, can, can we find good pipeline of innovation, good evidence base, which we could bring to bear that's currently not in place in our region and see if we can we can have an impact through that. So that that's uh, where we've decided to focus our efforts is around improving health equity through innovation. So through the work that we do as an AHSN. And our plan is to do that by focusing down on a handful of specific health equity gaps. So where we see significant variation in outcomes uh, for the population that live in our region. And those gaps are typically around access to service, might be gaps in quality of care. Uh, it might be gaps in individuals' opportunity for a healthy life that they have uh, in the place where, where we work across uh, Somerset, Devon and Cornwall. So, so that's, that's the approach we've taken. Um, I can 
go into a bit more detail if that's helpful on the sorts of issues we're starting to look at, but, but we've taken that decision for the next five years, have a really thematic focus on health equity and really bring that, that focus to both the regional work that we develop, but I hope also in the way that we deliver some of the national programs that we work on as well, and, uh, and already having great conversations with uh, the new health inequalities team and BOLA's team in NHS England, who are looking at this, of course, uh, across all parts of the way health and care is delivered uh, and the way we improve population health as well. Yeah, no, that, that, that's really useful to get that oversight. I mean, I, I suppose in our audience, a lot of colleagues from, from both the NHS and, and more, more so from industry, and probably a lot of them would say, well, everything we do is, you know, can support improvements in, in, in health inequities one, one way or another. So in terms of your, your challenges that you're looking at, you, you said you can expand a bit on some of those, and, and, and how do you decide what makes it and what doesn't, I suppose? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a difficult question. I think it's a question that, you know, all parts of the NHS struggle with is where do you put your energy, right? Because there's lots of really important issues um, that matter to lots of different parts of our population, different types of clinical disease areas, different population groups, different geographies of the patch that we work in. So the, the approach that we work through is to say, well, let's use the, the sort of analysis that we use to try and inform how we define a thematic focus down at a programmatic level around specific issues. So we did a, a, a fairly significant piece of work earlier on in this year to say, what, is the, what does the data tell us about where inequity is greatest in terms of our health and care system? And of course, that will be only as good as the data that we've got. But actually, our data on health inequalities is, is pretty good. There's been a huge effort over many years from agencies like Public Health England and others to really understand the nature uh, of, of health inequalities in places. So we've looked at the data. We've then looked at, okay, what does that really mean then for uh, the way in which clinical teams are experiencing inequity in our region as well and engaging with clinicians across uh, across our patch to understand their perspective on it inequities and then bring that together then with a sense of what's the innovation pipeline and evidence base that we could bring to pair on some of those issues so where we ended up with was firstly I think a really good like macro level understanding through working in partnership with colleagues in local authorities in commissioning organizations and in some of our provider trusts to say look Broadly, we think there's about 10 or 12 big health equity issues for a place like the Southwest. And that's a place that I think is different to other areas, but draws some similarities as well. And having worked in inequalities in inner city London, which is clearly a really different uh, population, different geography to the one we work in, there are some real differences and some real similarities as well. And I think we often characterize the Southwest about being about older people, about frailty, about rurality. But the reality is those things are absolutely all true, but there's, there's other things going on as well. So we have a population where um, there is real pockets of urban inequity as well as rural as well. Both of those play out in different ways, rural perhaps being more to do or linked to issues of access, whereas urban perhaps linked to elements of the underlying opportunity for a healthy life when you live in a certain type of environment, in certain context. So, so that sense of, I guess, complexity to the inequality is something that we've started to get into in, in a fair bit of detail. We've also then to start to look at actually how the assumptions around where some of the challenges are play out in the data. So uh, I guess a good example of that that I often refer to is the fact that if you live in the Southwest, what the data suggests to is that if you're a child living in the Southwest, you're nearly three times more likely to live in one of the lowest socioeconomic groups than you are if you're an older person. Yet a lot of the pressure that we perceive in the health and care system at the sharp end is about older people and frailty. 
So how do we think about the balancing of that and looking at some of the inequities of health that are perhaps masked by some of the immediate pressure to think about how we get under the surface of that and look at some of the issues, uh, particularly around young people as well. And then when you look at some of those issues, so let's take the issue around things like uh, children, young people's mental health, which is one of the issues we're looking at, you realise that it's not a universal challenge for every part of the Southwest. It's specific pockets where we need to build a deep understanding of actually what is going on in those populations and what can we do about it. So that, that's, I guess, that kind of macro level view that we started to develop by, by looking at the data, speaking to clinical teams working on this, starting to engage with patients uh, and populations that are experiencing some of those inequities as well. So to answer your question, we got down to about 12 big health equity gaps that we've identified in our region and then we've been working with our members and partners to prioritize which ones of those should we start on and I have a very clear view that we do a few and we try and really get deep into some specific issues because you're absolutely right um, there are inequalities across the health and care system that need to be worked on whether that's around access to care quality and um, or, or, or individuals agency and opportunity for a healthy life but we need to get specific about the things we should work on so the two that we've um, started working on already uh, one is on perinatal care so looking at that perinatal period of, of, of during pregnancy and just after and looking at the quite significant inequities of outcomes for, for people uh, through that that part of the life cycle of someone's health um, and we've also started looking at young people's mental health as well and, and that's an issue that I think is a, a challenge, as I've mentioned, links to some of the elements of uh, how deprivation plays out in a place like ours. Um, but it's also something that's, I think, particularly relevant right now after 18 months of a pandemic and some of the challenges facing young people across the country as well. So those are a couple of the issues we've started to look at. Uh, what we're now trying to do is look at what's the what's the innovation pipeline look like for issues like that, that we can start testing, bringing to bringing into practice faster to then evaluate and build an evidence base for hopefully working out how we might use innovative new practice to try and tackle some of those issues. Fantastic. It sounds like a fascinating approach and and I can really understand the complexity that you talked about there that that things aren't just as, as they seem and you know we've probably all got that stereotype of the southwest and probably got similar stereotypes for each of the 15 sort of AHSN areas. So um, you, you mentioned the data there so obviously there's huge volumes of data out there around health and social care typically it's not very joined up so how do you go about that process of gathering the data which data sets you're looking at and, and how do you arrive at you know bringing all this stuff together to to make informed decisions yeah so well, i guess the first thing to say is i'm definitely not the expert when it comes to how do we bring the data together and analyze it i'm lucky to have great great people across the team that have been doing some really good work in this area um, but actually largely it's about working with data that exists and some really smart people that have been looking at this stuff for quite a while so the sorts of health inequalities that we're trying to get into and trying to do something about I don't think we're discovering those I don't I don't think COVID has has created those these are long-standing challenges for the way we think about population health across the country and and certainly the work I did in London really, really demonstrated that to me over the last few years. So, so what we've tried to do is draw on all the people that have got expertise in this already and try and help them to help us rather than trying to create our own sources of data or sources of analysing that data as well. So, you know, in practice, we've drawn on mostly publicly available data sets. So the, uh, the public health profiles data that PHE produce. And we've drawn on data from Health Foundation and Nuffield and others that have been looking at some of these issues, particularly during the pandemic, how we've seen health inequalities exacerbated or played out in particular populations and particular groups. 
Um, and we're fortunate to have some great public health teams that we've been drawing on their experience of their data. Uh, you know, they know their populations, they've been working in their, in their areas, in their populations for many years at a much deeper level than we have. So we're not trying to replicate that, we're trying to draw on that data. And then I think the bit that we're trying to do is then let's do something with it and then let's put it put it into practice with trying to do something that we're I think good at doing which is trying to find some really great new ways of practice new types of innovation then bring that into those issues to see if we can we can have an impact on them in practice so I guess to answer your question it's largely about drawing on the data of others and drawing on existing publicly available data but I guess what we're trying to do is layer up some of that to look at what does it mean when you start to place them together so what happens when you start to look at broad health inequality data alongside some of the data we're looking around perinatal outcomes and then you start to see some overlaps with well actually there's a significant correlation between the areas where you've got particularly younger females who have higher weight so more chance of likelihood of obesity combined with some of the inequities of perinatal outcomes during that period as well so is there something there that we should be looking at around you know, the health of, uh, of young mums going into pregnancy and how we could work around some of those particular types of areas. So that is just purely a hypothesis based on data and you know clearly the next stage then is to say okay well let's go and really find out what's going on, let's work with the clinical teams, let's work with uh, with people who are you know, in reality experiencing some of the inequalities of health that we see in the place where we work and work with them to try and look at how we might help support them to lead healthier lives going through those you know those key transition points in life uh, like pregnancy and perinatal that perinatal period of people's lives so so that that's I guess ultimate approach take the publicly available data bring that together with existing local knowledge engage some of the clinical teams we work with to really more deeply understand the nature of the issues and start to form some hypothesis around how we could do something to help and then start to marry that up with okay what do we know is taking place across the edge the network around perinatal care which we could either adapt and pivot to try and tackle particular health equity issues or perhaps as innovators out there have a particular passion about working with some of the populations that we think we will need uh, need to in order to have an impact on that issue so so i guess in summary it's it's really about like working with the available data but perhaps using it in a different way in a much more targeted way which i think is what what really getting at inequalities is really all about yeah fantastic yeah and it, i mean it, it sounds like <laughs> and, I, and i know stuff that you're doing in the southwest you really are strong on, on kind of that partnership element and and it, it's quite clear that you found your role in the system and, and you're talking there about bringing stuff together that's already out there and probably people have been looking at this data in isolation thinking okay well what does this mean how do we do it but then when you bring together the, the hospital data the public health data the primary care data then suddenly you've got that picture of that uh you know young lady who's who's you know just become pregnant whatever and, and you can understand a lot more about them so um yeah you know, I, I think it's fantastic to hear that that approach is working because it's kind of core to i suppose a lot of the the the, the integration agenda and fundamentally you need, you need to sort of have that catalyst to be able to bring things together in, yeah. in terms of then how you feed it back out so how you are working in partnership with your health and social care partners what are you doing kind of with them as it were to actually help them sort of take up new technologies embed better practice undertake sort of quality improvement work well uh, I get on the particular area of some of the health inequalities that we've started to work on um, very early days. So we, we started working on this around April, May time after doing the kind of early analysis piece that I talked about. 
Um, we're now in a stage of really engaging to understand and and I guess one of the underlying philosophies we have as an AHN is that importance of understanding the problem that we're trying to address is absolutely critical to then being able to do something about it. And I know that sounds like common sense, but I don't think it's something we always do. We, I think, often are quick to jump to the solution without deeply understanding the nature of the problem that we're trying to tackle. So we're trying to do that really well at the moment. Um, and then, and then I guess what we're trying to do is really draw on our experience of the last seven years, but particularly the last few years, where and um, we've been working in partnership with our local systems to help them identify things that are of real value and help them put them into practice at scale. And you know, to, to be honest, that's a combination of both, I guess, a medical and a, and, a, and a behavioral science or a social science in the sense that I think achieving that kind of sense of awareness, understanding uh, and adoption of new, new technologies, new techniques, new ways of working is, of course, about the evidence base. And you know, but everything we do is grounded in innovation that we are confident there is a strong in, in, in evidence base behind it but it's also married to the fact that the process of change is about people understanding the nature of why something is of value how it could apply to them thinking about the context of the particular hospital or gp practice uh, or part of the community system that they might work in and thinking about how we might apply it in practice so uh, we've worked really closely with an organization called the billions institute over the last few years where We've worked with them to learn from their work in the US about large-scale change. How do you achieve spread and adoption of new things through large-scale change? Uh, and how do you build the conditions for that in the places where we work? And broadly speaking, we do that in three different ways. Uh, the first is the way that you're probably most familiar with, which is uh, we take things that we know work, either from our national programs or, or in the past through our regional work, and we help our health and care systems to understand the value of those, think about the application in practice and practical support then to put those things into practice. And, and that's about bringing together both an understanding of the evidence, but the practical support to understand the context. Because in, implementing something in one GP practice or one hospital is not necessarily the same as implementing it in another. And as much as we'd like to just be able to press a button and say, let's get that thing done everywhere, we all know that's not how the NHS works because of the nature of how it's evolved over many, many years. So not necessarily deliberate, but that is the nature of where we are. So those practical programs where we roll our sleeves up, we get involved working with our, our providers and partners across uh, across the three air, air counties that we work in, the three systems that we work in, and, and help them do that practically. The second thing we've realized, and, and that's where I mentioned the partnership with Billions, is that we're only gonna do that if we help the partners we work with build their capability as organizations to be innovative, to be able to improve, and to be able to adopt those things in practice and at scale in the organizations that we work with. So a big part of the work we do is about working with those partners to help them to build their capability to do that. So some of that's through things like quality improvement training and building an awareness and understanding of how do you do rapid scale testing uh, of, of change and, and understand the value of that and understand how and why something may or may not have worked. But it's also about building the culture and capability for absorbing new things as well and, and recognising uh, how we think about that in the context of our own individual organisations interacting with others as well. So I think there's a large part of a kind of culture and skills based piece of work that we do around our, our second area of capability building. And then the third area of our work, which I think is, is also particularly important when you're bringing together the kind of nature of it being both in building the evidence that the evidence base around the, the, the science of the change that we're trying to bring about, whether that's a new piece of technology or a new service model, is the work that we do around evaluation and learning. So that's about helping the partners that we work with 
test out stuff in practice, validate whether or not it actually works in the way the evidence suggests it works in practice in their context, but really critically understand how it needs to work in practice to continue to be sustained or scaled in other places as well. So that sense of real world validation and real world evaluation, which is not at the sharp end of kind of academic research, is absolutely at the practical end of really trying stuff out, seeing if it works, understanding whether or not it works, and then building that into a learning cycle of doing more of that. And that obviously clearly links with building the capability in organizations to learn and develop and innovate as well. So I guess in summary, it's the, the two, those two things together of um, building capability in the evaluation of how we build the culture capability in organizations for them to be better at this, uh, and then providing them some really practical supports to say, look, here's some great stuff. Let's see if we can help you put this into practice and have an impact in in the organizations that you're running in the places where where you're working. Yeah, that it's really interesting that area because I, I, I'm probably not being too unfair. I might be in sort of characterizing that the NHS historically has kind of looked at here's the clinical evidence, do it, and it's kind of been that top down go out and do this so those two elements that you described there about sort of developing the capabilities and, and the learning how are your partners in health and social care responding to that is that an approach that they're comfortable with that they want to take do they see the benefit what do you see the results of it yeah well i think um so i i'm really pleasantly surprised coming back down to the southwest um just how much energy there is to try and improve what we do here and I felt this last time I worked in the Southwest a few years back, and um, it, it's hard to put your finger on why, but I think there is a real sense of wanting to to work better together to improve the care that we provide across across the whole health and care system. So I think we're working in a place that has a real appetite for doing it. I think um, what we often assume, though, is that you know if you combine that appetite with a bit of evidence, then someone's going to go, "Hey, that's the thing we should do." let's crack on and and the reality is is that the context of implementing something new of implementing change um, is both a more complex and b quite context specific to that individual place that you're working in with that individual practice or the individual hospital or individual ward or, or particular department you might be working in and um, that that it's really about understanding the nature of the context in which you're trying to implement that change that leads to either it being successful or not so I think what we really try and do is rather than saying, hey, we've got this shiny new thing, why don't we all use it, is to say, um, what is the work you're doing on this particular area? So let, let's take, for example, Tom, the work we're doing um, uh, around ADHD, for example, as part of our national program. Now, uh, we, we are looking at a very particular part of the pathway, uh, which is about di diagnosis of ADHD, but we're not just going to be able to talk just about that bit. So the way in which we start the conversations with the systems that we work with is to say, what what's going on in your patch at the moment in your system around around people uh, with ADHD or people it, it, who are potentially to be diagnosed with ADHD. What are the challenges around the pathways in which you're trying to support and provide care uh, to people for that particular issue, um, and and how can we look at improving that together? And and this is a potential way that we could we could forge as part of that. So we tend to look at the, the pathway change that's required and then looking at the context of the specific innovation that we, we know is built an evidence base around it and then look at the right application of that particular innovation, that particular change that we're trying to bring about in the context of the pathway. And I think what often, you know, I think clinical teams across the country probably experience is people firing point solutions at them 
when what they really need is an understanding of where that point solution could fit into the context of the world that they work in and particular pathways and, and population patient groups they are, that they are trying to support and try and improve the care of and that that sense of I guess orientation within a particular context is often at, at the heart I think of what makes a difference between the way an HSN might approach thinking about the adoption of something new um, versus the, perhaps how we might have traditionally approached it which is well we've told everyone they should be doing it why aren't they doing it and and, and of course that would be great if that worked but the reality is that the, the bringing about the process of change to achieve that is more complex uh, mm. complex than just pressing a button and saying saying let's do it yeah do you, do you think there's such a thing as a quick win then John well I think you know one thing that COVID's demonstrated to us is there is in that when you have a really clear sense of what matters right now you've got a system that's motivated to really try and tackle that um, and you've got both national and local policy that's aligned to try and deliver that in practice we saw some really rapid scale change uh, at huge scale as well so if you think about um, the adoption and use of virtual consultation in the early stages of the pandemic which we did a lot of work on and um, we went we went from you know pretty low take-up rates and utilization of virtual consultation to it being up in kind of 90 percent range now there was a particular set of context that allowed for that but i guess what that shows is it is possible but but that is in a context of a single issue that we're trying to do at a particular point in time where all the stars were aligned to do that thing yeah but i think what that does give me um some sense of uh, i guess belief in the strategy that we're taking in the southwest is to say that i think focus really matters that um there are many competing priorities across the health and care system and uh, of course the nhs needs to look at those systematically and think about all the range of different things it needs to work on but i think agencies like ours that are working within the healthcare system but not necessarily you know part of nhs care provision we have a real opportunity to try and accelerate particular areas of care through a much more focused approach. And I think we're increasingly trying to do that as a network of AHSNs of how we put our collective weight behind particular areas and the work we're doing with the AAC and about things like rapid uptake products, I think is already starting to show you know, the benefit of that. And I, I think there's more to come that will we'll demonstrate that as well. Um, so I don't think there's a quick win in that there's an easy way of taking the thing that you've got and getting everyone to use it, but is there a quick, win in the way that we work as a system in a more coherent and focused way to do things i think we can do more of that and um, but it's it's tough right like the 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 nhs faces many many different types of challenges and uh, many different types of priorities that we should be working on so, um, so it's easy for me to kind of i guess uh, philosophize around the fact that we should be more focused when we all know there's lots of things to focus on yeah Absolutely, yeah, and, and I mean we we both work in a similar sort of space between the NHS and industry, and, and sort of bringing people together. Um, every day I'm having conversations with with people around the industry who have great things which can all make a difference, and you, we talked a bit about prioritisation. What do you see as the role of of healthcare industries in in helping sort of health and social care move forward? Well, I, I think, yeah. I almost think uh, kind of asking asking about the specific role of specific parts is almost kind of asking the wrong question because it feels like to me what we really all need to do is get focused on the things that really matter right now to how we improve health and then work out who who we need to be working with 
to do that and absolutely that industry has to be not just at the table but a critical part of that in the same way i think the community sector needs to be a critical part of that and local authorities need to be part of that as well um and and i think often it's about um i guess really starting with the problem that we're collectively trying to solve together so bring some focus to what we're doing and then think about the respective capabilities and assets that we can bring to bear on that that particular issue and, and I, so if i if i kind of draw some parallels to some of my work when i was with guys we look really carefully about how do we think much more broadly, I guess, at the role of different sectors in tackling particular types of health and, and care problems. So it's not necessarily just about um, bringing new things to tackle existing problems. Sometimes it can be about the pivoting of existing things to tackle an existing problem in a different way. And if you look at the sorts of issues we're going to be working on over the next few years regionally, so things like perinatal care, things like children and young people's mental health, um, I don't think we're out there looking for health inequality innovations. I think we'll be communicating clearly to the different parts of the system that we work with that we think this is the nature of the challenge that we're facing. So let's take, for example, we think there's you know, an ongoing challenge around how do we tackle particular types of uh, population groups and help them to uh, reduce the, the the rates of smoking during pregnancy of those particular populations like as a, as a as a particular example what could we do to work differently with those sorts of populations with some of the existing technology or or, or innovation that we have rather than saying we need a new thing to fix this problem and I, I think that's that's probably um, in the work that we'll be doing around inequalities and, and equity is about saying how do we really understand the problem together and then understand it from the perspective of the individuals which are experiencing that problem and then see if we can work together to do something about it and my my hunch and i have to say it's nothing more than that at this stage is a lot of what we will do will be working with working with industry partners working with the community sector working with the nhs to pivot and adjust the way in which we have perhaps done things before or we've tried things before but with a deeper understanding of the nature of the issue that we're tackling because we've often tackle those issues at a universal population level rather at a more granular level actually it's about this particular part of Plymouth this particular group of people that are really struggling during pregnancy and how can we work with them in a different way uh, and, and provide the sorts of care that we know will improve the outcomes for them during that perinatal period in a different way as well so I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's about having a collective sense of purpose, a collective sense and understanding of the problem, which I ultimately think comes from speaking to the people experiencing that problem and the, and the teams working with those groups of people across the place where we work, and then using that as the basis of thinking about how we bring together a set of changes in order to have an impact on that particular issue. And, and the final thing I'd say on it is, I think it's also recognising that in many of these sorts of challenges, particularly once you get into some of the challenges around inequality, are not going to be solved by kind of one thing that's going to make all the difference. Yeah. It's much more likely to be a combination of things. So it's about that sense of working together on a combination of things to try and make an improvement. Um, and I guess for industry, that's about really being collaborative in the nature of how they might work with other parts of industry, how they might work with different parts of, of a system in a particular place with a real attention to the particular issue that you're focusing on. Yeah, okay, and I, I think you've given quite a clear brief there, but I'm just gonna get into the nuance of it a, a little bit more. So I'm sort of hearing that you're saying 
companies or, or industry needs to have a bit of a listening brief and think li listen to what's happening in the southwest and then think about where they can fit into those bits so are you looking for people to think sort of creatively about how they fit your puzzle or is there still a place for you know a, a, a transformative technology of some sort be that device digital medicine whatever it is where people will come along and say you know you're not looking at um <laughs> whatever it might be you know dermatology at the moment but this thing is, is going to make such a difference that it needs to be on your radar yeah so like absolutely is probably the answer um so that the short answer to that question um but maybe to be a bit you know to open it up and be a bit more specific um what I've described in a lot of our conversation today is a belief that by being more focused as an AHSN, we'll have a bigger population health impact, we'll generate more economic growth because we'll build deep expertise in particular issues and, and hopefully have a real impact on those. And um, I should emphasize that, that, that is a that's a strategy and a hypothesis, and, and I can't demonstrate it to you yet, but that, that's the intention of what we're trying to do here. Um, and I really believe believe that will have an impact. And um, but we also uh, have a whole range of uh, nationally commissioned activity that we're responsible within that brief as well. So we've talked a lot about some of the national programs that we have and how we work as a national network of AHSNs, but we're also commissioned by the Office of Life Science to be that front door to innovators through the work we do uh, through our innovation exchange and the way that we're trying to think about uh, being both the I guess that front door to having conversations with the industry, understanding the nature of their proposition, understanding the maturity of the evidence base they've built behind it, and providing advice, guidance, testing, validation uh, as part of the work we do. So we absolutely do that as a national network. Uh, we have a small team that does uh, some of that in the Southwest as well. I think what we've increasingly trying to do in our partnership with the AAC is to say, look, we need to do that really well together in a really coordinated way because, um, the innovator that's approaching you know 15 different AHSNs is coming with the same products not with 15 different products so how do we understand that in a coordinated way, to, way at a national level uh, and start to look at where there is real energy or need for a particular type of innovation uh, where we might start to be able to do that testing and validation process as well so a lot of the work we do in the southwest is is searching for that matching process so uh, in, in, companies with great great products, great ideas that have the potential for tackling an issue that we know our region is particularly interested in and you know, we're going to have this real emphasis on health equity issues but equally we'll continue to do the work we do as an AHSN in, in connecting industry to, uh, to the clinical teams we work with, to the, the local health and care systems that we work with to try and look for those opportunities to, to test and validate products in practice as well and that's you know as well as being that front door I think increasingly where we're adding significant value to those organizations and the sort of commercial companies that we work with is helping to make the connections and then test and validate and evaluate in practice mm. and that's about that sense of like real world validation which then starts to build not just the the underlying I guess research and evidence base but actually the practical application and value and also helps to understand the company and other systems that then might want to adopt that like what does it take to do this how do you do it uh, and I think that's the real emphasis on where AHSNs kind of have added value is our attention to the how as well as the what, if that makes sense. So it goes back to context, we've talked about it, like it's not just about having a great idea that's been evidenced and it works, it's about understanding and the application and the value of that particular thing in practice for a particular health and care system. Yeah, okay. You, you mentioned the V word there a couple of times, John, value. Um, it, it's something that we're always being asked about at the moment is, is you know, how is 
the perception of value changing or, or how is the NHS, how is health and social care looking at, at things differently value-wise? Have you got any thoughts or comments around kind of that value piece and what that means in, in yeah. the integrated world? It's, um, well, I, I guess my thoughts are I'm hopeful that we're going in the right direction. Um, I think, so from the discussions I have with our colleagues working to develop new integrated care systems across the area where we work, is a real sense of wanting to think about value for the population um, and think about that for the long term. And, and I'm really hopeful that the bringing together of integrated care systems give us a chance to A, think about value across a whole pathway, not just within a particular element of a pathway, which is often where you can get stuck in a in a slightly challenging position as an innovator trying to bring a particular product to market that delivers end-to-end -end value but you're only talking to one bit of that value chain so therefore it's quite hard to demonstrate your value to them so there's that opportunity for that but there's also an opportunity to think about value over a longer time period as well um, as we start to see a whole system responsible for population health rather than particular clinical areas at a particular point in time uh, in in the way that we operate so I, I guess I'd start by saying I'm, I'm hopeful that we're going in the right direction uh, I think the reality of probably what most of the, the people that you work with is they're not experiencing a significant change yet um, and therefore I think it's really about working with those that understand the nature of the specific system that you're trying to work with to see what value means to them because it kind of can depend on the nature of the context in which you're trying to implement uh, or, or introduce something new to. So I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is um, I think value is context specific to some extent. So really understanding that when you're working with the different parts of the health and care system. I hope integrated care systems, A, give a kind of larger geography in which to have those conversations. They give a more integrated way of thinking about value and perhaps a longer term perception of value as well. But I think, you know, the, the role that AHSNs are trying to play then is really based on many years experience working in those places with particular parts of the system so that we really understand what the context of that particular proposition in this health system might really look like in practice. So, so that, that, that for me is why I think the role AHSNs play is important, is about understanding the context as well as just, you know, I think it can be perceived that it's about making connections and making interruptions and of course you know that's part of it we we build a knowledge of a place and a network and then we're trying to connect a commercial network into that to be able to bring great new products to market that will benefit patients and benefit the system but it's deeper as it gets another level deeper than that saying okay, but specifically in this place in the context of working with Plymouth or working in Truro or working in Penzance what will it really mean to implement that change in primary care in that particular primary care network, for example. So you're starting to get much more specific and deeper. And I think therein lies the real challenge I would um, expect from the sorts of innovators that we talk to is, you know, that's time consuming and complex to understand. And, and that's big part, I think, of what we're trying to do through our work in AHSNs is demystify some of that uh, and have that knowledge already so we can bring that to bear with, with the, the great ideas that have the potential to to have value for the systems that we work in. So I've talked around the subject a bit there, probably Tom, without answering a specific <laughs> question. But you know, I don't think anyone has the answer to that stuff. It, it is really context specific. So yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's the most important takeaway from from what you've said. That I think often people are looking for sort of that that silver bullet of here's the answer, and this is you know everyone's going to 
this is going to re resonate with everyone but you know i think that context specific as a phrase is is really valuable um one thing that has just cropped up that we haven't I haven't addressed I, I was just wondering in terms of how you're measured because you've talked about short-term and longer-term value so in terms of the work that you do are you looking at in-year value or is are you looking at longer term or is it a bit of a blend so are you is a question about how as they it sends is our value measured or, yeah or what your yeah. your return on investment as it were so you're you're funded with national programs and, and you do yeah. regional yeah. stuff are people looking for you to to have an immediate impact or, or not? Well, like uh, anyone working in and around healthcare, um, we need to have our eyes on kind of different ends of the spectrum of value. So absolutely, we need to have a portfolio of work that's delivering short to medium term value back to the health and care system, because if we're not, um, we're gonna struggle to really show you the benefit of what we do um, in the reality of the system that we work in. So. What you see through a lot of our national programs that we work on is uh, they, they're built on an existing evidence base where something's been tested, developed, it's been shown its value, it's typically got economic, health economic value um, demonstrated through those, uh, those sorts of trials and tests. So that then when we're looking at extrapolating that to adopting at a national scale, um, we're confident that there is a, a value proposition to to the commissioners that we work with, that if we do this thing at scale, it's going to have a benefit for the work we do. And, and I mentioned some of the, you know, the high-level stats. We've got um, some great impact reports from a national level as well that try and bring out the way in which we think about value. I guess the broad metric for us is largely about, uh, given that we're working with things that are evidence that we know have value once they're implemented, a large part of our national program is about getting stuff implemented and making sure it's adopted at scale. Increasingly, we're then trying to make sure that the, the assumptions we've made about the value are then validated in practice when we do that as well. So there's, a, there's an, an evaluation element to that, but the assumption being that if you're taking something that's well evidenced and proven, then if you're doing it everywhere, that's got to be a good thing because you're just scaling up the thing that, that, that had the value at a smaller scale. But we do look to like, test those assumptions as we go through. So adopting adoption rates, I guess, is, is the key area uh, of value of, of the things that we're working on. We're also then uh, commissioned in terms of value around the, the nature of the benefit we achieve from the economic side of the equation as well. So that's partly in the way that we scale up national, national programs and are delivering a scale of growth of particular types of innovations. But it's also in the way that we support companies earlier on in that value chain or in that, I guess, development uh, of their product or, or particular service to test, validate, prove, scale and develop. And I, and I talked about some of that investment leverage that we've achieved through our partnerships that we build in brokering those relationships between, between commercial businesses and the NHS to test out, test out particular things in practice, demonstrate the validity of them, enabling them to then raise investment, enabling them to then get to a, a larger scale as well. So that uh, have a range of economic measures that look at the way in which we bring value to the life science system as well. So that, that's the dual, but anyway, it goes back to the dual purpose of what AH Centre for is the population health benefit uh, and the economic growth piece. Um, and, the, uh, and, and we think about the measures of those obviously in different ways. So the final thing I'd say is like for us in the Southwest, what we're then trying to lay, I guess, over the top of that is to say, okay, if we're gonna have a real focus on health equity and we're gonna focus on some really specific gaps. Our job is going to be about demonstrating the impact against those specific health equity gaps through the work that we do. So that's getting into more of an outcome-based measure, whereas our national work is often about an output-based measure because we're pretty sure the outcome is going to work. 
when we're at an earlier stage of testing and development, actually, we have to be really clear on is the outcome going to happen uh, through the work that we're doing or is it happening? And if it is, why is it happening? So it comes back to like the how bit of me uh, I've talked about earlier on. Um, so that's probably the dimensions I think about is the scale of adoption as a national network, the way in which we're contributing to economic growth through the, our interactions with the, the health and life science system. Uh, and then finally, the way in which we're building an evidence base of impact for future potential national programs uh, and for the impact we have in our region as well. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much. We, we've just got a couple of minutes left. So um, obviously you, you, you're sort of starting out on your journey in terms of your, your strategy, but in terms of how you'd like to see the HSN evolve, so yours and, and the network more widely, I suppose, have you got a vision for, for how you think it can evolve, roles that it might play in the future, whether the sorts of things that you might turn your hand to? Yeah, well, I guess uh, at a national level, we have a shared vision of what we're trying to do as a, as a network of 15 HSNs. Uh, and that, you know, in, in simple is to do what we do, you know, better and at a larger scale and to keep getting better at what we do, but to do that at a larger scale. So we've set a very clear ambition as a network of AHSNs that we want to increase the scale of our impact uh, by increasing the scale of the activity around adoption and spread of innovation and doing that and through building new commissioning partnerships, new partnerships with, with parts of our health and care system and with industry and others uh, to take what we've learned about how you adopt and spread innovation and take that to a larger scale. So we think we can do more of what we do nationally together. And then locally, um, the way in which we're trying to build our particular contribution to that national vision is through building a depth of knowledge and impact around health equity and the specific challenges that, uh, that we're working on as well. So if we step forward a few years, I guess the vision of what we're trying to create here is um, a deep impact and reputation and knowledge around tackling health equity through innovation and using that then to contribute to the work we do as a national network to try and have a, a larger impact at a larger scale through the adoption and spread of innovation, uh, uh, tackling a whole range of different types of health and care challenges as well. So, so yeah, I very um, you know, feel very much a sense of a, a contribution to a national vision, but with a real sense of, um, I guess, a particular focus that we're trying to bring to the contribution we make to that as well. Yeah, fantastic. I think you've really nicely sort of captured the, the different elements of the HSN's role and I, and I think a really strong message coming through there is how important the local insight, the local intelligence is and that's a, a big takeaway I'm sure for our audience that um, you know never has it been more important and, and the, the role that you're playing is going to be a huge facilitator in helping people to, to get that depth of understanding of where their technologies, their innovations might play a role and, um, and help them to gain traction. So thank you very much indeed John. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. It was a bit of a rush for you to get here, but I've really enjoyed our conversation and, and uh, you can go and have a cup of tea and, uh, and clear your head in a second. Um, thank you everyone for um, listening in at home or wherever you are. Uh, we're obviously still learning huge amounts every time we speak to people um, as the NHS accelerates through integration. So if you want to keep up to speed with what we're learning as we sort of try and stay a step ahead, uh, you can follow our NHS Whispers page on LinkedIn. Um, sign up to our um, newsletter via nhsinsights.mtechaccess.co.uk or have a look at our website for all the other things that we do. So, John, thanks again. Uh, we'll be back at the end of September talking around the, more around the evolution of value, uh, the interaction between medicines and non-pharmacological treatments and, uh, yeah, everything else that goes with those areas. So, thanks again. Look after yourselves and see you next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please do subscribe for future episodes. 
If you'd like to find out more about our work with the NHS or how we can support your market access strategy, please email info at mtechaccess.co.uk.